going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 191 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to recap our results from week 16 in the NFL on DraftKings, reflect on some of the key decision points from the slate, and of course, close out the show by taking a look at some bets for Monday night football, as well as a look ahead to the NFL playoffs. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open, available. It is free to join, and the link to do so is in the description to the podcast. Joey, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. How, how are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing all right, man. Uh, you know, a little, little concerned after seeing you, you know, uh, your Twitter recently. Everything OK over there? You know, I'm just frankly just ready for this season to be over, mm. to be honest. Ready for a little yeah. break, a little bit burnt out. Yeah, I guess that's probably the right way to, to phrase mm-hmm. it. You know, just just not the year that I had hoped for, you know, really unfortunate. Any uh, any any big sweats that you still have going on as far as fantasy for this season? Yeah, I mean, it, the only thing I have to look forward to next week is that I made two fantasy championships out of five total leagues and out of three redraft leagues since we're both in two dynasty leagues. So yeah, won two out of three semi-final matchups. So got that to look forward to next week. But other than that, nope, all my best ball teams are dead. DraftKings honestly could really care less to play DraftKings at this point. So I'm kind of over that. I mean, I'm still going to play, but that's just how this fantasy season has been for me. It's been a tough year. And, you know, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Um, It's crazy that the popularity explosion of best ball happened in the same year that we got arguably the craziest fantasy season of all time, uh, just with the COVID and the injuries and stuff like that. I think it's going to like deter a lot of the new people who came into best ball. And I I hope it doesn't because I I was a big fan of all the tournaments and all the stuff that we had the opportunity to do in the off season with all the, you know, new contests and new sites that were popping up and the the different strategies between the sites. I enjoyed all that stuff, but I I just hope that the mainstream doesn't get turned off because I think that obviously variance and randomness is part of fantasy every year but i think this year especially probably due mostly to covid was you know impacted more than i can remember in any previous year especially since we've been covering uh the nfl and fantasy yeah just a lot of injuries obviously covid impacts a lot when it comes to fantasy football and you know the nfl's protocols and you know basically if you get it you're you're missing your players and Seems like a lot of the star players, especially in fantasy, have missed games this year. So it's been a tough year. I don't know if that will detract people because people love fantasy football. People love drafting. You know, that's kind of like the best time of the year is is when you're drafting your team. So the fact that you could do that basically whenever now throughout the whole entire year is kind of the the main draw to best ball, I would say, is you can hop on any one of these apps at any time of the year and and draft some players, and, and that's what people look forward to. So I think it's only going to grow from here on out, but yeah, definitely 
definitely a crazy season for sure. I'm right there with you. I'm ready for a nice break. Um, you know, we're still going to cover things throughout the NFL playoffs. So don't worry about that. We got a couple of weeks to go. A lot of contests on DraftKings. Personally, I'm hoping to bink 10K on drafters next week. We'll see how that goes. That's my last big sweat. I got eliminated from the rest of my underdog teams in week 16. So unfortunate there. In terms of DraftKings results, I barely played any cash this week. I had a couple of head-to-heads with, you know, people that I run head-to-heads with against every single week. So that was my cash line. It ended up putting up 151.36. You know, the cash line in the massive $25 single entry double up was 137.86. So very comfortably would have cashed in that had I played in it. But I mean, all of my action was in tournaments yesterday, save a couple of head-to-heads, but at least the process worked. It was a good cash line. Yeah, we ran the same lineup. So it was a pretty good line. And some of the trains that were ran in cash, I thought were pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Um, especially paying up to like Gronk and whatnot. We'll talk about that shortly. But yeah, 151.36 for myself as well. Didn't play much yesterday, but would have cashed if, if I had. The cash locks this week, there were a couple. Justin Jackson and Antonio Brown, I think, were the clear-cut two best plays on the slate. A.B. was just wildly underpriced for the role that he had. Obviously, was going to set up extremely well with Godwin and Evans out. We saw that come to fruition. Had 10 targets over 100 yards. Price below 5K, just a stone cold lock if there ever was one. And Justin Jackson with Austin Eckler out, even being touted by Austin Eckler in fantasy was just a clear cut smash. $200 above the men had a fantastic role, almost a hundred yards receiving a ton of catches. And other than that, you know, I thought Cooper Cup and James Robinson uh, were locks as well. Cup, just because of all of the value we had on the slate, he's the clear cut best pay up option on the board every single week. He always gets there, even in games where he struggles, he's still going to put up 20 plus as we saw yesterday. James Robinson was in the nut spot, just suffered an Achilles injury early in the game. And, you know, there's there's really nothing you can do about that. But he was so heavily owned that it didn't kill you one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, unfortunate that he only scored one point. <laughs> uh, unfortunate injury. Wonder how that's going to affect uh, the rest of his career. I mean, this dude Cam Akers is back after like five months. So maybe it's not a death sentence for James Robinson. But yeah, in terms of DraftKings and cash game lineups specifically, felt like this was one of the more easier weeks of the season, especially after all of the information that, that we had come Saturday night, Sunday morning. You know, we knew Justin Jackson was in a smash spot at 4,200. We knew James Robinson was in a smash spot, still priced below 6K. We knew Ronald Jones was a great play at 5,100 in a Tom Brady-led offense with the highest implied team total on the slate. So it's like, if you weren't playing those three running backs in cash, I mean, Madison was a great play, but the fact that you could get probably 15, 20 touches out of three running backs under 6K, like, I don't know how you could pass that up even for Madison and then quarterbacks I mean Hertz Stafford was fine both kind of had floor games so that didn't really kill you and and quarterbacks in general usually don't kill you in cash so doesn't really matter there and then at wide receiver I mean a b lock like you said cup lock like you said then it was do you go with Josh Palmer or play Justin Jefferson and I felt like the Justin Jefferson build was better with Ronald Jones and a cheap tight end rather than going to Palmer Gronk and Madison and it worked out and and Justin Jefferson has been elite all season and it's like you could have locked in 20 plus touches out of your three running back spots 
theoretically, and you could have locked in nine to 10 targets from all three of your wide receiver spots if you ran that build. And I don't think you could have said the same for the the Palmer build. No, and, and Palmer did get there. You know, he put up 15 points. Yeah, he but did. the the thing that killed you if you ran with the Palmer build was you had to spend that salary up somewhere. And the natural spot that people went was Gronk. And you're paying 6200 for Gronk in 2021. I, I couldn't do it. I absolutely couldn't do it. Yeah, I would never not. in my damn life. And I wanted to run Madison. I thought Madison was arguably safer than Rojo, but it's kind of like you said, you can lock in a guaranteed workload at 5,100, highest implied team total on the slate, higher team total than the Vikings had. You know, they were massive favorites. It just seemed like regardless of what Rojo's lack of a pass catching role is, it, w- it was too good of a spot to pass up. And the sacrifices you had to make in your lineup weren't worth it. I'm always going to opt to take the guaranteed workload at running back and pay down at tight end rather than get a comparable workload at running back and, you know, pay 6,200 for an old man at tight end I'm not doing that yeah uh, I'm never doing that and it's not like Ronald Jones is is like Jeff Wilson right like Ronald Jones is actually a talented runner he just kind of got displaced by somebody who's been playing at an elite level quite frankly in Leonard Fournette and and we know Ronald Jones will get a couple catches on early downs because it's not like the the Bucks aren't gonna throw the ball with Ronald Jones Mm -hmm. out there so he uh, he finished with two catches on three targets and 20 attempts, 65 yards and a touchdown. It was a tough spot for, you know, the Bucks rushing offense against this Panthers front seven. You know, they still ran for total 100-plus yards. Keyshawn Vaughn, I mean, just vultured a touchdown. Crazy. Great run by him, like 55-yard rushing touchdown, which was unfortunate. But, yeah, I mean, uh, on weeks like these where you have – cheap running back volume and they're all in pretty good spots like I don't tend to overthink that usually um I I loved Madison but felt like there was ways that the Vikings get down in this spot against the Rams uh the touchdown upside could could be a little bit lower uh if the Vikings fail on offense against a tough Rams defense and that's kind of what happened in this spot and you know he he's just He's just not as as good as Delvin Cook. Like I would have been more interested in playing Delvin Cook over Madison. I mean, he's good, but he's not Delvin Cook. Yeah. So no, that that's definitely true. Um, I think that about covers it as far as cash games. I did just want to shout out the one team that I did have that was a stone cold sweat for me. Put up two hundred twenty one point three six points in the early only eleven dollar tournament, the big tournament for the early only slate on DraftKings. First time I've had a, like a real tournament sweat all year. I finished top forty out of like twenty thousand people there was a brief period where i was in first place thought i might have a massive bank big shout out to the josh allen stack with isaiah mckenzie at sub two percent ownership this dude mckenzie had a career game 11 receptions for 125 and one looked great looked like better than cole beasley has all season at the min price just absolutely smashed so shout out to that lineup it was nice to have a good sweat in a tournament for the first time all season no t higgins though yeah it's always nice to to be at the top and sweating that and yeah just unfortunate that you didn't have any bangles in that lineup when on on this week 16 slate you needed bangles to be yeah like 221 is a great score and you know on any other week you you probably finish like top 10 top 15 max and just you don't get the 41 ball out of burrow and you don't get the the 46 ball out of t higgins and you, you can't bank no yeah it, it was truly unfortunate especially since on the podcast earlier this week my favorite stack was the joe burrow double um shout out to me not running that 
in anything except for the one Yahoo, uh, the the Yahoo one dollar, which I also finished top seventy in out of like thirty thousand people. So you know, good decent week for me. But let's look ahead to tonight. You know, hopefully you are listening to this prior to the Monday night football game. We're gonna give out a couple of picks for a four leg power play on Prize Picks ten x your bet if you can hit all four legs of the prop. Joey, what do you like as a couple of pieces of this parlay? Yeah, so two pieces that I have right now in a power play going for tonight is Mike Jasicki over 38 and a half yards. The reason I like that prop is the Saints are down Demario Davis, Malcolm Jenkins, and Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander and Demario Davis are two linebackers that are actually pretty solid in coverage. They're down those guys and they're down Malcolm Jenkins, the safety for them who usually covers opposing teams tight ends and does a really good job of doing so. If you want, you can go watch that Bucks Saints matchup two weeks ago and see him lock up Gronk. And they're down those three guys. I don't think the Dolphins will be able to run on the Saints just because Duke Johnson, Miles Gaskin, Ahmed, nah, like those guys aren't it. The Saints run defense is one of the best in the NFL. They give up, what, like 70, 65 rushing yards per game. Mm-hmm. Top three run defense in the league. And Mike Jasicki plays in the slot. 56% of his snaps come in the slot, and that's where the Saints get beat the most. I mean, 38 and a half yards for Mike Jasicki. Everything is lining up for him to just smash tonight. And to pair with that, I, I have Tua over 220 and a half passing yards for the reasons I said. The Dolphins won't be able to run the ball on the Saints. The Saints can be beat through the air. The Dolphins are one of the most pass-heavy teams in the NFL. So give me Tua over passing and Mike Jasicki over receiving. I really like both of those bets. Um, you know, this is a spot where the Dolphins are playing for their playoff hopes. You know, they've been playing recent, uh, well, pr- pretty well recently, obviously on a long win streak, Tua over 220. It's a low number, and I think that they're going to lean on Tua. Dolphins are relatively healthy on offense. They've got Gasicki. They've got Gaskin back, who does help as a pass catcher. They've got Parker. They've got Waddle, 220. Should be an easy over for Tua and Gasicki. I mean, he could go over 38 and a half regardless of those injuries. You know, he's done it in three out of the last four games. So that that's a, like a beatable number for him, even without all the added bonuses that you mentioned. So I like that as well. And the two that I want to throw out there are a pair of overs for the running back receiving yards on the Saints. I think that in this spot with Ian Book coming in to start, it's, it's just going to be a dump off fest. You know, I think that, you know, the, the Saints are going to have a lot of trouble trying to pass downfield in this spot. Their receivers are weak. Kamara is the best pass catcher on the team. His line is extremely low right now, 21 and a half. That's an easy over. And Mark Ingram has seen a lot of use as a pass catcher since Going back to New Orleans, eight and a half is easy. That's one catch. And, you know, if he gets two or three targets, which he has pretty consistently all year, then I think, you know, uh, eight and a half is is a smash. So he could do that in one catch. If he gets two targets, I think it's a lock. And this is a spot where I think the offense is going to function a little bit more like it did with Trevor Simeon, even in spots where we saw Ingram get six, seven targets. So this line is almost accounting, I think, for a Saints offense that's run by Taysom Hill, who's not going to be playing tonight. Yeah, I definitely like both of those lines and for my bet tonight I I have Camara over 21 and a half receiving yards in there I don't have Mark Ingram in mind I have an NBA player but I think that book is going to just check it down quite a bit to Camara and Mark Ingram 
And Mark Ingram's line is so low that he'll probably get there in one catch. So that's really all you're hoping yeah. for is he gets a catch. He's going to be out there quite a bit. Sean Payton loves to play Mark Ingram. He loves to play Kamara, obviously. One of the better pass-catching running backs in the NFL. And to be honest, 21.5 is just a very low number for what I think is a top-two pass-catching running back in the NFL. I mean, it, it, it's borderline so, disrespectful to Kamara. Yeah, very disrespectful. And I will say, historically, the worst two bets you can make in props is running back receiving overs and tight end overs, historically. And that's three legs of our four leg. <laughs> so, obviously, you got to take caution, but we outlined the reasons that we like these picks for. I, I just think 21 and a half is, like you said, disrespectful to Camaro. Absolutely. Uh, so, so, that is our four power play for tonight, and I, I think it's going to smash. Lock it in friends it's it's time and we can close out the show with a look towards some playoff stuff i think that this is the best week to be making bets i mean if you haven't already this is the last week that i would consider it because after this week things are going to be extremely clear i think a lot of the edge is going to be gone a lot of the lines are going to come down as things become extremely clear following week 17 so this right now is the time i think that you want to be entering playoff best ball drafts like i did my first one this morning before recording and i mean people are just burning money they're they're you know full-on team stacking teams that aren't even likely to make the playoffs like i would not be wasting money on charger stacks in these things i wouldn't be wasting money on raven stacks in these things i think that that is a recipe to be losing so i i want to be capitalizing that edge i'm going to be trying to get as many playoff best ball drafts done as i can this week probably won't touch them next week and that's where i'm at um I don't know. How do you feel about it? I mean, there's probably a good edge in, you know, roster construction and understanding, you know, the optimal strategy to drafting, which, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like I do because I definitely don't, especially when it comes to like playoff best ball. And, you know, do you only take one quarterback or two or whatever, you know, the player allocations, how many players you should be drafting from each position? I really don't know any of that. But then again, I'm not going to be playing any playoff best ball so if you guys are interested i think the optimal is one three six on underdog one quarterback three running backs and six wide receiver slash tight ends that is the primary thing that i'm going to be chasing in these tournaments as far as a couple of other bets that i like my favorite long shot for the playoffs right now is dallas plus 500 to win the nfc you can also get them at plus 1000 to win the Super Bowl. When I'm looking at the odds in the AFC, I just don't think that there are that many teams that actually have a shot to contend, you know, for the Super Bowl. I think it's the Chiefs, I think it's the Bills, maybe it's the Colts, but all these ancillary teams, they just don't have it in my opinion. Like I would never bet the Titans, I wouldn't bet the Patriots, I wouldn't bet the Bengals. Like I don't I don't trust those teams to make it far. I think that the NFC is relatively wide open. You know, the Packers and the Bucks, you're not getting good enough odds to make those bets. I could see the Rams make it plus 450. I could see the Cowboys make it plus 500. Even the Cardinals after a two-week slump are at plus 1,000. That's not bad. It's just if I'm going to be making bets on these team futures right now for the playoffs, it's all going to be in the NFC, which I think is still wide open with two weeks to go. Yeah, I think that maybe betting like the NFC Super Bowl winner is pretty solid but if you're if you want to bet you know who's going to make the playoffs and and get good odds like you bet the AFC side since the AFC only has one team that's clinched a playoff spot the NFC has five right so basically 
there's, you know, three to four teams, in my opinion, that are fighting for two spots in the NFC when there's 10 teams that are still fighting for a playoff spot in the AFC. So you can get plus odds on the Ravens to make the playoffs right now. They're plus 150 on DraftKings Sportsbook right now, and they're in the playoffs. Like, they are the seventh seed. Lamar Jackson is coming back. Obviously, it's going to be tough sliding on defense for Baltimore, but you still get plus odds. The Chargers are plus 125 to make the playoffs right now. They are just outside of the seventh seed. They are eight and seven tied with the Ravens, but I think the Chargers have a pretty good shot at making the playoffs this year. Uh, They play... Their next two games are against the Broncos and Raiders, two very winnable games. I think if they win out and they get a a little bit of help, they'll make the playoffs, and you're getting plus odds on that as well. So I think there is some value on the AFC side, especially with the Ravens and Chargers right now on DK. Yeah, I'm not not mad at those bets to make the playoffs. I just don't want to be betting the the conference or winners just because I, I really don't think that any of those teams that we're discussing like have the chance to really make it far. I think there's maybe three teams in the AFC that that have the ability I to think, go all the way. I think that would be better though, because it's condensed then. Yeah. No, I mean you're not you're not wrong. It's just you're you're definitely paying for it in the odds. Whereas like so if the yeah. the Cowboys are you know, the fourth favorite in the NFC, it's plus one thousand. I mean I I guess you could bet the Bills plus eight fifty. That's kinda that's kind of juicy, not going to lie, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, the the Bills are plus 350 to win the AFC and the Bucks are plus 350 to win the AF to win the NFC. Right. So it's like if the NFC is more open and what you're saying there's more teams that are contenders, I'd rather just bet on Buffalo in a conference where you think there's only two contenders. You know, probably an easier path for the Bills to win the AFC than the Bucks. Right. At the same odds. Yeah, even um, though the the Bills are probably playing one more game, but you are right. You are right there. And then, and then the Colts plus six fifty. You know that that's better odds than the Rams, the Cowboys, the Bucks, and the Packers to win the you know AFC at plus six fifty. So if you're a Colts believer and, and think that you know they can control the the ground and win a couple games in a row behind you know the offensive line, the ground game, and defense you know I'd rather take a shot on the Colts if you think they're really only competing with the Chiefs and Bills and honestly they probably won't even have to play both of them when it comes down to it most likely not unless the Colts are unless the Colts are like the three seed and the Bills are the two or whatever however it shakes out yeah I'd rather bet that than the Cowboys or the Rams or the Bucks or the Cardinals if you're a believer in the Colts which I mean I'm not yeah I would not make that bet I mean I'm sorry but Carson Wentz will inevitably cost them a game it's gonna happen yeah they're not they're not winning a playoff game with Carson Wentz. <laughs> um, the last bet that I will throw out on this show that I came across this morning, I think you're still getting really good odds on, is Burrow plus 450 to win comeback player of the year. I know that Dak Prescott is the heavy favorite right now. He's minus 650. And I don't get that. I, I know that he's on the Dallas Cowboys and it's America's team and all this other stuff, but Burrow has literally been better in every single category. More yards, more touchdowns, higher yards per attempt, higher uh, QBR, higher completion percentage. And, and Joey, I think the comeback is more impressive because I know that Dak is, is playing well, but Dak was playing at a historic level last year. He's not even playing as well as he was last season. Joe Burrow was 
you know, decent. He saw some flashes last year, but he's on a different level right now. You know, the Bengals are making history. First team with a quarterback to go over 4,000 yards, two receivers to go over 1,000 yards, and a running back to go over 1,000 yards, all under the age of 25 years old. So like, this is a historic season right now for the Bengals in Joe Burrow's second year. I I think the comeback is more impressive. I think Burrow is better right now than Dak Prescott. And I just don't know, man. You're getting plus 450 on this. I I really like the odds here. Yeah, I mean... In terms of odds and, you know, EV bets, I think it's okay. I mean, I think Dak is clear-cut going to win it. They're close in everything. They are. Right. Dak has a 68% completion percentage. Joe Burrow has 69%. Dak has like 200 less yards. You know, they're a touchdown apart in terms of passing touchdowns. Joe Burrow has thrown more interceptions. Their passer rating is pretty close, in my opinion. So, it's not like Joe Burrow is is clear-cut that much better than Dak. And then you also take into account, you know, what you said, it it definitely does matter. He's a bigger name on one of the biggest teams in the world. And he played five games last year. Joe Burrow played 10. So in in terms of comeback, like I, I think Dak's a lock to win comeback player of the year. You know, he missed more time last year, a more, you know, talked about injury with Dak last year than Joe Burrow. Like, yeah, Joe Burrow tore his ACL, but it's like, oh, he tore his ACL, whatever. Yeah. They were talking about Dak's injury for months. I mean, that, that's, ESPN, the, that's the national coverage. You know, that's the spotlight on the Cowboys, which, like you mentioned, does play into it. Yeah, and that's and that's why he's going to win. Mm-hmm. And and it's not like, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow's having an MVP season. He, you know, 30, 14, 4,100 yards. He's, he's, he's been pretty good this year. Don't get me wrong, but... Dak Dak is definitely a lock to win comeback player of the year. Better team, chance at the number one seed. The Bengals might not even make the playoffs. Better team with higher expectations, which just to me, like, makes the comeback more impressive. Like, the the Bengals were, like, probably fourth favorites to win this division, and and they are likely, I think, to win the division at this point, whereas... You know, I mean, the the Cowboys were clear cut favorites in the NFC East. Like this, this was expected. Like, how how impressive is that comeback? I don't know, but I mean, you're probably right just because of the fact that it's the Dallas Cowboys versus the Cincinnati Bengals in the end. Yep. All right. That is going to be it for episode 191 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrying DFS. We'll be back on Thursday with a first look at the Week 17 NFL DFS slate. For more content, you can check out our YouTube channel, The DFS Dose, where we post multiple videos per week and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, you can connect with us in our free Discord channel. The link to join that is in the show notes to the podcast. If you're listening out there, just know that we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.